And that's the Osborne, <laughs> Brothers Osborne, sorry, not the Osmonds, the Brothers Osborne. And I've got one of the Osmonds on board with me here, Lenny Schulman from the Blood Horse joining us on the show. And Lenny, welcome to the show. And uh, where the hell you been? Oddly enough, one of my nicknames is Marie. <laughs> I would have taken you for being Donnie, you know. Does anybody know any of the other ones? That, hey, that's, that's it. And you're not even from Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny but, Showman. Uh, Lenny <laughs> Showman is one of my dear friends, and him and I, when we talk, people around us have no idea what we're even talking about because we make no sense. Just like the beginning of this podcast. Now, Lenny Showman <laughs> from the Blood Horse is a fantastic character in, in the game. He is a fantastic talent, and you've got a special book that you just wrote, and it's and it at Barnes and Noble. Tell us a little bit about that first and foremost. Yeah, for those of us who who longed for a uh, actual real Kentucky Derby winner, uh, we can we can go back to last year. I have a book that just came out on Justify. Uh, called Justify 111 Days to Triple Crown Glory. Uh, I think he's a fascinating horse. He's certainly a polarizing horse as to how people hold him. Uh, I happen to think he will go down, in my opinion, as one of the greatest horses we have ever seen. However, uh, his brief career certainly makes that more conjecture than fact. But uh, having followed him last year, I just found him to be fascinating and absolutely gorgeous specimen of a horse and uh i think it's a really compelling book but I, i'm a little biased what so you just given given us the idea why you wanted to write a book and did you get a lot of help from the people around the book like bafford and winstar and coolmore to be able to put this together i i did well from from some of the people you just named, uh, Bob Bafford was incredibly cooperative, as was his wife, Jill. Uh, Jockey Mike Smith was great. Uh, this horse had about 73 different ownership groups, so I was able to talk to a lot of the people uh, who owned him. As you know, Bruno, uh, you know, Ashford Coolmore isn't the most uh, outgoing as far as giving out interviews and things, but... Uh, but uh, everybody who had their hands on this horse, from uh, breeder John Gunther on up to the Windstar crew that trained him at the farm, to Mike Marlowe, Bob Afford's assistant, uh, everybody who had their hands on this horse gets uh, interviewed, as do uh, some of the trainers who ran against him uh, through the Triple Crown series and some of the agents. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's got a lot of detail, a lot of behind-the-scenes stories. And basically, when you only have six races to write about, you better have a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was great kind of filling in the blanks. So tell us a little bit. Give us a few teasers. What is some of the parts that, that a lot of people may not know about that makes this book really interesting and people need to go buy it? Well, the one thing uh, that is stated in the book that was never stated publicly, and, you know, the first question that Baffer was asked every day along that journey last year was, 
who do you think is better, American Pharaoh or Justify? And Baffert was not ever going to give an answer to that question because why alienate one set of owners or breeders or, or whatever? But I have the answer to that question in this book, and uh, I'm not going to give it out. I'm just teasing it. But uh, I do have Bob Baffert's answer to that question, and it's a rather definitive answer. So that, that's one thing that you uh, definitely will learn in here. The other thing, uh, well, one of the other things is I was able to talk to Chad Brown and Wayne Lucas, who were the two trainers who finished second to justify in the Triple Crown races last year. And just getting their takes on this horse uh, I don't believe they've ever stated uh, this publicly, what, what they were able to, to tell me about what they thought about this horse. And Chad Brown in particular is, uh, just gave me great stuff, I think because I didn't talk to him for about six months after the Triple Crown. So any disappointment or feelings were kind of, uh, you know, passed through at that point, And he was able to be really honest about it. And uh, it's really great insights from guys who, you know, you, you see interviews and you, you know you're getting kind of a canned answer, but not really the insight here. Uh, I feel like I really did get, get the insight from these guys. Well, let me ask you this. All this stupidity about restoring hope <laughs> running interference yeah. in the Belmont. Yeah. Can you answer that? That was the most stupidest thing I've ever saw on social media. And people are still talking about it now. Yeah, well, I think that's, uh, that is that is dealt with in the book. And uh, I think that's, you know, mostly the works of one of the other owners uh, who uh, was in that race with two horses and was trying to have one of his horses kind of go with justify early to try to set it up for his other horse who was a confirmed closer and uh, yeah i've watched the video of that race about 700 times uh restoring hope is about two lengths clear of everybody when he starts veering out toward the outside of the track i mean there's no interference the horse in question lost the race by 57 lengths. And can I add uh, something to that? Can I add something to that? He went on to sure. get beat for over 100 lengths in the next three starts. And he's an absolute yeah. dog of a horse. Well, you know? I don't like to call... Well, I, I love dogs, but I don't like to call horses dogs. But anyway, it was a, uh, it was a controversy without a, a victim. Uh, that horse was doing nothing. That horse would never have been able to run with Justify uh, without being whipped and uh, absolutely ridden. And I'm talking about the first eighth of a mile, not the last eighth of a mile. There's no way that horse is staying with Justify. So it's it's a real, what do they call it, a tempest in a teapot or something. But look. I like you know, teapots. If... Wait a minute. You, you know, I love dogs and I like teapots. So come on. <laughs> yeah, here is my handle. Here is my spout. Uh, <laughs> but that horse is a but... bad horse. And 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 well, and we're talking yeah. about Mike Rapoli here, you know. Um, yeah, we're talking about Noble Indy and Vino yeah. Rosso now. You know, Vino Rosso, a very good horse. And He's okay. He was able to right. to make his move. You know, he was able to make his move on on the far turn of the Belmont. Unfortunately, John Velasquez 
is 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 hitting him with the whip outside the five ace ball, trying to get him on terms with Justify. He took his shot, you know. It right. He just happen. wasn't good enough. Was too good. And and the whole thing with with the restoring hope is is Florent Giroux did what riders are taught to do when a horse is a runoff and he can't control him. You get him away from other horses. But people are not smart enough that have the experience enough from social media standpoint to see that and understand it and categorize it in in, in an analytical way. They have to immediately think of somebody playing a game of running interference. Uh, and I find that, and as, as much as you do, that people just get in their own way of making actually sound, fair decisions when it comes to racing. Well, yeah, I mean, as it ended up, Restoring Hope was the horse that was on Justify's flank, so anybody who wanted to make an early move was going to have to go, you know, three wide instead of two wide. But... You know, they could have run that race a hundred times. I don't think the result would have been even slightly different. Uh, just the you mean like Kentucky Derby 145? <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. So, anyway, if you have the nostalgia for a uh, true superstar horse, and I get the feeling. Uh, we're not going to see that in this group of three-year-olds, at least until Omaha Beach reemerges. Uh, you know, justifies the boy for you. Um, I thought he was an unbelievable horse, and uh, when I saw Justify gallop between the Derby and the Preakness, it solidified my thoughts of what he was and who he was. Um, I was actually very disappointed in the reaction of some professionals, especially especially on NBC coverage jumping up and down saying he was fast fast and not fast enough even even through the through the belmont do you dress that in the book yeah i do and i addressed it actually it was after the santa anita derby uh i i was actually out covering the bluegrass stakes that day so i dvr'd uh nbcsn's coverage of the santa anita derby and i came home to watch it and uh you know, watch the race, and then I couldn't believe afterwards that the two announcers were, were just bagging on this horse, like, like like he hadn't done anything. You know, that the the time wasn't good, and and the setup was so it was so easy for him, and it was a, it was a gimme. You know, Bruno, you you and I have both lived in Los Angeles. I lived in Los Angeles for twenty years. Number one, winning the Santa Anita Derby is a big deal i'm not gonna i'm not gonna paraphrase joe biden all the way on this but it's it's a big blank and deal to win the santa anita derby and this is the first horse to win the santa anita derby in his third career race and in doing so he toys with the best two-year-old of the previous year balta oro who absolutely was a top three-year-old had just run McKinsey to a nose and actually won the race via DQ. I mean, this is the best three-year-old going out there. And Justify comes up in his third career race and beats him like, like, like he's a claimer. And, and these guys afterwards are like, oh, he didn't do this and he didn't do that. And I, I kept the DVR just, just for the record because, because I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And you're talking and, uh, about Randy Moss and Jerry Bailey, who really didn't really make up for it this year either 
when Randy Moss is touting a horse on, on naked time alone and cutting humor, saying he was the fastest horse in 20 years or something with the fastest time. You know, I, 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 I don't understand the mentality of some of these guys. Oh, I, um, their egos are so immense that they think they know, and they put this garbage out on television, and, and, and they did it last year, and they did it again this year. I think it's time for fresh blood. Uh, to, to well, be, the, you know. the, the, the funny thing is, they're dumping on the horse, and then they go to Eddie Elchek, who has Baffert, and Baffert is doing cartwheels about what he just saw and how we're going to Kentucky, and we got a box seat in the first row, and this and that. And, and meanwhile, the two announcers are going, "Well, we don't think we, we don't think Bob saw enough to maybe even bring this horse to Kentucky." And I. I'm just sitting there flabbergasted. <laughs> you know, it's like it's his third career race, and he's just won the Santa Anita. I I don't get it. But anyway, that that is in the book because I think it's indicative of the disbelief that that kind of surrounded this horse and what he was doing as as a relatively inexperienced horse. It's just unprecedented. Now we only have you for another five minutes. Let's talk about Kentucky Derby one forty five. The talent that Maximum Security showed had to had to impress you, no? Well, it, it certainly looked like he was going to get gobbled up from about seven different directions at the head of the stretch, and uh, all of a sudden, inside the inside the sixteenth ball, he's he's running away from everybody, and nobody's even making a, a serious charge at him. It was a it was a monstrous race by him. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure you can ask me what I thought of the whole thing. I think you do treat the Kentucky Derby differently from every other race, or, 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 or as they said, the third race on Wednesday. Uh, this is not a race where you put up a horse that hangs, uh, has every opportunity to go by the length of the stretch and doesn't, uh, and make that horse the Kentucky Derby champion. You've got 20 horses, 19 this time. You have 20 horses. Everybody says it's a cavalry charge every year. Everybody says it's a rodeo every year. There's bumping. There's clipped heels. There's horses taking up every single year. All of a sudden, you're going to call this as a foul? Why? Because it happened at one point in the race and not, not at the beginning of the race? Horses lose that race 100 yards out of the starting gate, 50 yards out of the starting gate. It doesn't matter where the bumping occurs. Horses lose that race in that cavalry charge year after year. So, yeah, if you want to put 20 horses in that friggin' race, you better have a little bit of leeway for horses getting in each other's way. This was, this was the worst call I've ever seen in my life. So you think he shouldn't have been taken down? Yeah, you think so? Well, let me ask you. Well, let me ask you this. Would it have been a much easier result for people to, uh, palatable for people, if they would have said, the result did not alter the order of finish, but we will address the issue of what happened at the quarter pole administratively after the race is declared official? I don't know. You know, we try to play God and, and say what, what altered the order of finish. We don't know. You know, we don't know if the order of finish was altered. It certainly wasn't uh, with the horse that got put up, who, you know, wasn't affected by it at all. But, you know, look, okay, could Long Range Toddy or War of Will won the race? Yes, theoretically, yes. Do I believe they would have? No, I don't. There's nothing in their what, past performance. What about, what, a, what about this, this, 
discussion after the fact that the Ortiz brothers had something to do with the claiming of the foul. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a problem when the horse that did get uh, affected the most, that rider doesn't claim foul, and the trainer of the horse that stands to get put up tells his rider to claim foul even though it had no effect on them. That That's not, you know... That, or how about the rider of another horse pressuring... Yeah, well... Who, who was riding for the same trainer? So there is a connection there. You know, I again, we could we can debate all of those kind of factors, but I think the most important one is you have to give some leeway. It's the Kentucky Derby. We're talking about history here. We're talking about too many horses trying to get to the same spot year after year after year, and you just cannot treat the Kentucky Derby like you treat the third race on Wednesday. We're, spe we're speaking to Lenny Showman of the Blood Horse. I love Lenny because he has opinions. Now, I've got you for another minute. Lenny, let's talk about the state of racing. Take it away. Yeah, which state? New York? Um, <laughs> no, the state well, of racing. I, the overall state of know, racing. You know, here's where we are. You know, big days are are doing unprecedented business around the country. We're setting records virtually every every year with our big race days. I, you know, I think we're. I, I I really think we need to come together as an industry and speak with one voice. I don't think I'm saying anything that's foreign to anybody here. We're letting other people set our agenda for us. Uh, I think, and, and, and the thing we saw the other day at the Kentucky Derby isn't too helpful when people tune in for one day a year and they watch a race and they say, what the hell just happened? We don't understand any of this. Now, you know, maybe there's more mainstream media attention. Uh, may, maybe somehow that works out to our good. But if we can't get out of our own way and if we can't stop shooting ourselves as an industry, we're not going to survive and we don't deserve to survive. Uh, I, I think there are racetrack operators in this country that have to take a good long look in the mirror and see why they are in this game and why they are in this business. And uh, if they don't want to be, then just sell and get the hell out and let somebody else come in who knows how to operate a, a racetrack. Well, Lenny, one day I want to get you back on because I think we can go on an hour about a lot of things. You've been fantastic. Tell people how to hey, get hey, them. Hey, Bruno. Yes. Hey, Bruno, if I wasn't an idiot with technology, we could have gone for an hour. Well, I wasn't going to go there, but since <laughs> you've gone, it, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell people how to get the Justify book. Um, I yeah. think it sounds really interesting. I love to hear what Baffert says, who was the better of the two. And um, yeah. tell her where to get it and uh, and uh, and where they can find you. So uh, it's available at most Barnes & Noble stores. Of course, Amazon has it. And also at uh, the Triumph Books uh, website. So it's available everywhere. And uh, it's doing great. And um, I'm really proud of it, Bruno. It's uh I, I didn't make the decision to write this book until far after his career and uh, just going back and reliving it and revisiting all the principles. Uh, it just convinces me uh, what an extraordinary horse and an extraordinary story it is. So I'm really proud of it and happy to be associated. How with much is horse. the book? How much is the book? 
Uh, Amazon has it for about uh, 19.95 now, I believe. I can justify uh, so spending 19.95. 19.95, beautiful hardcover, nice photography. Uh, looks like a real book. Fantastic, Lenny Shulman joined us on this podcast, and uh, next time we're going to have to make sure Lenny Shulman is technologically savvy so we can get him on longer. Thank you, Lenny. Have a great day today. Thanks, Bruno. It's great to be a friend. Thank you. Thank you, and thank and thanks to, to Lenny Shulman for joining us. This has been our Wednesday podcast. Thank you, and have a great day.